This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Now, when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a coat tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a coat tied at the door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. The Gospel of the Lord. I want to take that as my text this morning from Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. Mark's Gospel, chapter 11, verse, uh, verses 1 through 10. If you have a New Testament handy, I want to invite you to turn there with me. Mark 11, beginning at verse 1. And this morning, I want to talk about the king who dies for me. The king who dies for me, and not just for me, uh, but also for you. Indeed, uh, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians in Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3 famously wrote, Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures. He died for our sins. He died for your sins, and he died for my sins, but he, he died. And in this is a great irony. Uh, indeed, generally speaking, it's it's not the king who dies for the people, uh, but it's rather the people who die for their king. Uh, indeed, in generally and historically speaking, if the king dies, the people are often put at risk, which is why, generally speaking, uh, keeping the king safe. Uh, is so critical who uh, when they're when the nation goes to war the king is kept in a safe place and behind the battle lines and jesus is a king <laughs> indeed this is the chief point uh, of jesus's tri triumphal entry into jerusalem on on the sunday uh, before his passion it was the chief point that jesus was intending to make uh, and those who were with Jesus understood it as, as such. Indeed, uh, Mark writes that uh, when Jesus and his disciples and the, and the crowd of people uh, that were traveling along with them drew near to Jerusalem and Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, uh, Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said to them to, to go into the village in front of you and immediately as you enter into it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. 
And then Jesus said, and untie it and bring it to me. Now, Bethphage and Bethany were two small villages that were uh, located along the Jericho Road that leads from Jericho uh, to Jerusalem. Uh, it, it, th these two little villages were uh, located on the eastern slopes, uh, uh, the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives with Jerusalem uh, located uh, on the western side of the Mount of Olives on the western side of the Mount of Olives and to the west of the Kidron Valley, which ran in between uh, Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. Presumably, it's when Jesus uh, and the disciples uh, arrived at Bethany, uh, which is the first village uh, on the eastern slope of, of, uh, of the Mount of Olives uh, that you would come to when you were traveling along the Jericho Road from Jericho to get to, to Jerusalem. Uh, it, it was probably at that time when they came to Bethany that Jesus sends the two disciples to the next village, uh, that, which he says is the village ahead of you, uh, Bethphage, which means a house of figs. And he told them to fetch a donkey. Notice again uh, at, the, uh, at the end of verse one. And Jesus sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village in front of you. That's Bethphage. And immediately as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one ever sat. Untie it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord, referring to himself, Jesus, the Lord, that the Lord has need of it and he'll send it back as soon as he's finished with it. And so they went and they found a colt tied at the door outside in the street. And they untied it. And so the, there was the donkey. The donkey uh, was there just as uh, Jesus said it would. Uh, and the disciples were used to this uh, sort of thing uh, with Jesus, of Jesus knowing about things that no one else could possibly know about. And not, and not just that the colt was there, uh, but that uh, it was a colt that no one had ever ridden. And so it's interesting that uh, when Jesus rides it, it will be this uh, colt's uh, maiden voyage, if you like. But then, but then Mark continues, and, and he says, and, and some of those who were standing there, they said to, to the disciples, why are you untying the colt? And they told these people just what Jesus had told them to say to them. And Mark continues, and so they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on top of the colt, sort of a makeshift saddle, if you will, and then Jesus sat on it. And then we're told that uh, many uh, of the people, Spread, spread their, they took off their outer garment, their, their cloaks, and they spread it in the way so that Jesus could walk over their cloaks. It's sort of an ancient uh, red carpet treatment, if you like, uh, which was common uh, in, in, in ancient times uh, in, in their, uh, people's treatment of their king. In fact, it, it's happened a few times in the Old Testament. Jehu comes to mind after the prophet said that God is making you king. He came out of the building and there were his friends uh, and his friends said, hail Jehu, uh, God save the king. Uh, and they laid their garments on the steps and Jehu, the king of Israel, walked down on, the, on their garments. And then Mark says, and then others spread, spread branches in the way. 
And then those who went before, who were leading the procession, and those who came behind Jesus on the cult, or the, the back part of the procession, they were all shouting and saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then verse 10, and blessed is the, is the coming kingdom of our father David, Hosanna, which in the Hebrew means save Lord, but it had become just a sort of a common exclamation of praise. In fact, one of the, one of the uh, translations, I think it was a New Living Translation, just translates it that, that way. Praise the Lord. Uh, and, and so praise the Lord or Hosanna in the highest, even in the highest heaven, <laughs> praise, give praise to God for what's happening. And so what was happening is clear to everybody. And a clear, a clear fulfillment of scripture. Jesus is presenting him to, to Israel and its capital city as king. The people know exactly what's happening. They know the significance of his riding in and so forth uh, because they know the scriptures. Indeed, in Zechariah 9 and verse 9, this is exactly what we read. Uh, written hundreds of years before Jesus uh, came along. But we read in Zechariah 9 and, and verse 9. It says, rejoice, O daughter of Zion. So a, a reference to Jerusalem and a particular part of it. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is humble, mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fold of a donkey. And so Jesus is the king. And that was the point of this triumphal entry, as we often refer to it, on that first Palm Sunday. But, but Jesus isn't just a king. In fact, Jesus is a king who dies for me, a king who dies for you. Indeed, Jesus didn't go to Jerusalem to, to throw out the Romans and to set up an earthly kingdom, at least not yet. Rather, Jesus went to Jerusalem to die. In fact, on not less than three occasions in this very same Gospel of Mark, Jesus says as much. In fact, uh, in the 10th chapter of this same Gospel, just the chapter before, the chapter that we're considering right now, chapter 10 and, be and beginning at verse 33, this is what we read. And Jesus said, see, we're going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles, that's to the Romans. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him, that is scourge him, and kill him. And after three days, he will rise again. And all of this, of course, will begin on Thursday evening, what we call Monday Thursday. And the bulk of it happening on what we know and what we call Good Friday. Uh, commenting on Holy Week of Fleming Rutledge wrote this. She said, Holy Week begins in triumph and ends in, in catastrophe. Which is part of the irony of it. Indeed, it's just a matter of days until Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, will turn to crucify him. Crucify him. And so Jesus uh, went to Jerusalem to die. But more than that, he went to Jerusalem that week 
to die for me. He went to Jerusalem that week so many years ago to die for you. In fact, uh, Peter, his chief apostle, writing in his first letter, Peter wrote this, he, that is Jesus himself, he, he himself bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, in his own body upon the cross. A very interesting statement. He bore our sins. It's a, 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 if you know anything about the Old Testament and the, and the way in which dealt, sin was dealt with and the, the, the sin sacrifice, if somebody sinned, that they were uh, directed to, to bring a certain animal based upon what it was that they, they did, and they would bring it to the tabernacle and then later to the temple and come to the priest and they would bring this animal and the priest would um, direct them to take their hands and put their hands on the hand on the head of the animal that was to be sacrificed for their sins as a, signifying the transfer of sin the taking on of sin and then the priest would hand the worshiper a knife and direct the worshiper to cut the throat of the animal and the animal would die in the place of the sinner who was seeking forgiveness, which gives all the more meaning to what we're reading now or the meaning of the words of John the Baptist. You remember in the first chapter of John's gospel, John the Baptist said to his disciples as he saw Jesus walking by, he said, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He would take the sins of the world upon himself and die to take our sins away. And, and, and Peter speaks in this sort of language. He himself bore our sins in his own body upon the cross. Or Paul writing to the Corinthians in his, what we call the second letter of, uh, uh, to the Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter five and verse 21, where we read the words of Paul, where it says, and for our sakes, he, for our sakes, he, God the Father, made him, made Jesus to be sin. He made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, that in him, that in Jesus, we might become something that we weren't before, that we might become the righteousness of God. An extraordinary statement, an extraordinary truth. God the Father made Jesus sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. The re German reformer Luther, praying over this text, prayed these words, Lord Jesus, you are my righteousness and I am your sin. You took on you what was mine and then you set on me what was yours. You became what you were not, sin, and I became what you are, righteousness. Paul says again when he wrote to the Romans this extraordinary verse, as we have it in the fifth chapter of the letter to the Romans in verse 8, but God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, he shows his love for us and that while, while we were still sinners, even while we were still shaking our face, our, our, excuse me, shaking our fist in rebellion against him, not obeying him, not honoring him, not recognizing him, 
God shows his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For our words change from Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and not days later, crucify him, crucify him, Christ dies for us. As Paul will put it in just a verse later in that same fifth chapter of Romans, Christ died for the ungodly. All of this made me think of uh, that song that uh, Billy James Forte made made popular some 20 years ago. It's hard to believe it's been 20 years. Uh, but a song that I think that many of you will remember because we've been singing it for 20 years. The title of it is, You Are My King. You are my king, and yet the words that follow seem rather strange. But as I remind you, this is how it goes. You are my king. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted. You were condemned. I'm alive and well. Your spirit lives within me because you died and rose again. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my king, would die for me? Amazing love. I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you. And all I do. I honor you. I wonder, will you honor him who died for you? The king who dies for me. Let us pray. What an extraordinary thing, Lord. As we know world history, the, the king is, is placed in a safe place safe behind enemy lines and the and the 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 the, the citizens the the the, uh, the, uh, the the servants of the king they go out and they fight for the for the land for the country for the the honor of the king and yet your son our lord he's a king who dies for us how worthy he is of our honor, this humble king riding into town, not on, a, not on an animal of war, not on, a, not on a horse, but on an animal of humility. Indeed, how humble you are, Lord, that uh, we break your law and then you come and bear the penalty of what we do wrong. And then you come into our world, you come into your own, and we, we receive you not. <laughs> What's wrong with us that God isn't enough? What's wrong with us, Lord, that your son isn't enough? But he is enough if we have eyes to see. He's worthy of our time and our treasure and our gifts and our service, of our pouring ourselves out, indeed, of imitating him in his life, taking up his cross and following him, taking up the towel and washing the feet of our brothers and sisters, even as he did, because if we would be great, we must be servant of all. As we even enter in now to this 
holy week, Lord. We pray that you'd help us. Lord, let us keep it holy and enter into the fullness of it to fully understand all that you did and why the resurrection day is so significant because of all that went before. These things we pray, Jesus, help us to honor you in the way in which you're worthy of honor. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.